Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 73 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. My guest today is Alex M. White. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. Super happy to be here. Well, we are really happy to have you. Guys, Alex M. White is the founder of Roots and Resolve, coaching and consulting organization dedicated to cultivating more resilient people, projects, and populations. And he has quite a lot of experience, real life experience with that. He is inspired by his own personal experiences, in fact, of being faced with uncertainty, fear, and hopelessness. And he has learned about what it means to cultivate courage in difficult times. As with many people of his generation, much of Alex's life has been directly impacted by living with climate change. From evacuating his family away from devastating wildfires to experiencing Hurricane Sandy, Alex is committed to climate reality advocates and seeks to build diverse, equitable, and inclusive climate movement. And among other deeply difficult challenges, which we're going to be chatting a little bit about today, um, one particular experience served as a catalyst for his work. Alex's wife, Lauren, was diagnosed with cancer at age 26 years old and given just three months to live back in 2013. And he's thrilled to say that Lauren is now cancer-free and living life to the fullest. That's a beautiful end to that story. Yeah, I uh, wake up every day just really grateful to have like a second chance and that I yeah, get to wake up next to my the love of my life. So it's, yeah, like no matter how things are going, like if, if I ever uh, next to me, you know, it's like, I've got that. That's pretty cool. Guys, I, I, do you feel the chills already? This is gonna be a very emotional episode. <laughs> <laughs> Advanced trigger warning, emotional episode coming. Um, so Alex, I'm fascinated. I do want to hear the, the journey of how you did this. And I think it's so valuable because it sounds like you took personal experiences and passion and you turned them into money, which is what I talk about all day long. Um, what, before you tell me how you did it, what gave you the courage to say, you know, I've had all these experiences. I'm going to go off on my own and make this into a business. Boy, I think it's really the, it's probably two things in particular. I think the first is, the resilience of my ancestors. And I think that's something every single person who's listening to this conversation right now, that no matter how down they get, you, you just look back, like resiliency is in your DNA. The fact that you're living and walking on this planet right now meant that the, the people that came before you knew what it took to survive, to get by. Not necessarily always thriving, but it's that's built into our DNA. So um, just personally, my ninth great grandfather, um, when he was 10 years old, um, uh, that is like when the Spanish arrived on the island of Guam. Uh, it was the first time uh, European colonizers had, had landed on a Pacific island. And by the time he turned 64 years old, um, he would have seen 93% of the Chamorro people perished. Um, so our people almost went extinct uh, in a single generation. Wow. And anytime I, th I think back to that, um, it's like, how do you how do you keep going when, um, like almost every single person you know has like been gone, like in a, in a single generation. But um, in the same, I mean, that got passed down generation after generation to my dad, who, um, I mean. He was born on November 7th, 1941, so a month before Pearl Harbor was attacked. And the same day Pearl Harbor was attacked, uh, Guam was invaded. So he spent the first uh, years of his life in a concentration camp. Oh, wow. And, you know, I think about that as well. Um, and, you know, when you are, yeah, what, like, how do we, that when we're faced with, you know, um, life or death situations like that. And even, I think that's something too, of like our brains is, um, even if it is not that dire, our brains still like in a, you know, neurological biochemical way, still respond to stress in a life or death type of thing. And, you know, what 
my dad has taught me and, and the quote that um, actually that uh, I always quote Dr. Kate Marble, who's a climatologist, which she says that courage, uh, we, we need courage, not hope. Courage is a resolve to do well without assurance of a happy ending. Um, so it's really that, I, that's the mantra I tell myself um, and that, that gets me through on a daily basis is, you know, even if I don't know that it's going to turn out well, I have to commit to doing the best I can, doing as well as I can, doing everything I possibly can, um, even though there's no guarantee it's going to work out well, just because that is the right thing to do. I love that. And I think that's so cool. Like, I know my grandma, I'm Jewish. My, my grandparents are all Holocaust survivors, actually. Um, and they all saw, except for one grandfather, every single one lost their entire family. Um, and, and, and that grandfather, they, he, his siblings and his dad made it out and they lost their entire extended family. And, and I know in, in many Jewish circles, right, we're we're, I'm two generations removed from the Holocaust, right? So my kids are now three. And uh, I think there's always a choice where you go when you come. I don't want to say trauma because the word just gets overused. But let's say from, from the DNA, right, of, of people who face life or death situations, some people can fall into courage, like you're describing, and other people fall into victim mode everyone's out to get me, it's awful, look how much awful stuff there has been. And I love this frame of like, it's not the awful stuff that has been, it's look what kind of survivor genes I've got. <laughs> like, whoa, oh, yeah. I'm of the line that made it through this thing. Absolutely. Oh man, I got some serious stuff going for me. <laughs> totally, I mean, what a gift, like what a gift, like, like thank you ancestors like thank you for like everything you did so that i could have the life i have today um you know and i think it's yeah the the word gets overused but there's that um that really like landmark study that was done um in new york and blanking on the scientists now but it's easy to look up um they did that study of um mothers who were pregnant during 9 11 um and they they found they found that kids that were born um like 70 percent of them like were born with like a stress disorder oh wow so, so it's absolutely <laughs> i think yeah you know and it's and it's, so it actually it's in our genes it's in our dna you know that the, what happened to you know the people that came before us um that absolutely has an impact on how we are today so yeah, we were carrying around that luggage, you know, like our, we have like ancestral luggage that we're carrying with us. And yeah, we do have a choice of like, what are we like, what are we going to be? What will we do with this, like this one precious gift of life and like, and the luggage that we're carrying around, you know, it's, it's both a source of strength and a, and a source of things that we need to be really mindful. Totally. I like that. So, so you had this idea, right? You went through the different natural disasters. You went through the situation with your wife with the really awesome, happy ending. How did you then go and say, okay, I'm going to make this a business? Like, what do you do? What did you, what were you doing before that? Like, tell me like the, how, right? What was that point <laughs> yeah. where you went from like, this is important to now I make money with it. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I, yeah, since this is all about building, building business, like I will, I'm going to be completely transparent the whole time. Have a business strategy. I did not know how I was going to make money. Um, really, what it was, it was we had the um, the Paradise Campfires out here in Northern California um, last year in November 2018, and uh, worst air quality in the entire world. Um, it was. Like I remember that. I remember yeah. like my everything on my front porch had like this layer of dust of ash. Right on it and I'm I'm not that close to it and like yeah couldn't go outside it's coughing all the time I do remember that that was not fun yeah. no and it, and it's like it was equipped moving like smoking a 12 pack of cigarettes a day oh um, my gosh that's like what the air quality was um and it I, I'll never forget this um image of uh driving to work and seeing uh, school children holding hands with gas masks on and it was like wow. a scene out of an apocalyptic film and I went into work and at the time um, uh, you know I'd spent the last five years working in tech I worked at Google on Google Glass and um, 
cool. that's where I got started as a user experience researcher and designer. So um, we can touch into that, but just for the purpose of this story, um, you know, uh, literally seeing the world on fire around me and then going in and we were talking um, about buttons for real estate software. And like, <laughs> yes, like, you know, it's... Um, the incongruity it, must have been enormous. Yeah, and, and it's not a knock. Like we, you know, we're all doing jobs that we need to, like either for a paycheck, like, yeah, real estate agents need like really functional software to do their job so they can support their family. Like not a knock on that. For me personally though, I'm like, I can't hold these two things at the same time of, you know, um, and it's around the same time that the, that uh, IPCC report came up of saying that like we have like 12 years to really change the way that we're living and engaging with each other um, uh, uh, before like ecologically induced social collapse. And so it's like, ah, I can't, I can't sit on the sidelines anymore. And it's really, the bottom line was I woke up with the same sense of urgency uh, about what's happening to our world as the when my wife was given three months to live. Uh, and so I knew that I, I, it was no longer really a choice of whether or not I was going to engage in this work. It was just a matter of, um, you know, those were, those were the cards that were dealt. It's like, this is the reality of the world we live in. Um, and I can either continue to operate business as usual, go with the status quo, go to work, have catered lunches, uh, you know, get a paycheck, um, spend my day looking at a screen or radically like uproot ev like every sense of stability for myself to really start living a life on purpose and really making choices that are directly serving the greater good, not this kind of more abstracted, like trying to find value and meaning in, in the work I was doing. That's amazing. Okay, I, I hear that as the turning point, and then what? Right, because a lot of people, you know, they'll have that inspired moment where like, oh, I've got to do this, you know, and then, you know, they wrap it in blankets. It's like, it's all that, that alarm clock, you know, alarm goes off and, and let's say it's broken, you can't turn it off. So like, you know, you wrap it in a blanket and you wrap it in a towel and you stick it in a pillow and you stick it in the closet. Yeah. And, that, and that's what a lot of people do with their conscience in general, um, especially sometimes, you know, when an idea comes and it's, as you say, we, we react still with that fight or flight feeling. Um, even when it's not a life or death situation. So when our, our perceived security is threatened even by ourselves, right? Like we have an idea that threatens our secure job, right? Or our secure way of running our business even, right? We got, we got to change something and like, oh no, but if I change it, then maybe the whole thing will fall apart and, you know, and, and people get scared and then they just move on. So when you had this idea and you had this passion, then what'd you do with it? Because it doesn't sound like you had business training. It sounds like you were hanging out in tech. So like, then what? Yeah, I mean, really, the I'd say the number one thing is I, I had a coach, um, Matt Gagnon, uh, who if anyone's on LinkedIn, uh, just really, it was really, you know, he said like, okay, when are you going to put a date on the calendar? Like, what's your last day? Um, and I, you know, said, uh, I'd give my notice, like first week of December, and then, you know, I would leave at the end of the year. Um, and so I just made that, made that commitment. I had a coach that he's like, you know, you've been, you've been talking about leaving tech for months now, like longer. I mean, it's, you know, really, um, I've been wanting to make that move uh, for a really long time. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really looking back at my answers, looking back at my own dad um, when he was 18 years old and a seat opened up on a plane uh, and he had like three hours to pack before he like boarded a flight to America, completely oh, wow. by himself, no plan, like 10 bucks in his pocket, a suitcase and like a 20 pound bag of rice. Cause he didn't know if there was like rice in the States, like in the <laughs> mainland. Um, and you know, it's, and so, I mean, I kind of, it's, it was really just for my dad, like dad, how did you, um, how did you get by? Like how, like, how did you have that courage? Like, how did you have that like resolve to, to go? Um, and it's just this really like 
Oh, sorry. I'm kind of like. It's okay. Getting, Maybe yeah. it's like you're doing what you're meant to be doing. You're living your life's purpose. It's not, it's about the journey, not the destination. Like this is what I need totally. to be doing. It's not about where I'm going to land. This is just what I need to do right now. Yeah. And that's it. You know, I'd say for like everyone too. I mean, and I want to like really lay it out there. Cause I think that's something that I am. Um, it's, why it's one of the things that's been difficult about building a business is that so many people talk about um you know like this this very kind of like rugged hyper individualism and everything like that and like frankly like i don't i don't if i didn't have the partner and the family and the community that i had i don't think i would have been able to do this like it's really because of the support network and because i had um someone else who believed in me that, that I was able to take this step. Um, so I, you know, and I have like, you know, I have like the immense privilege of like having a, a home and good health and like, we don't have kids, you know, there's like so many factors. So I just like, really, that's, that's something that I don't hear enough of like people acknowledging that it's like they're, it's not just all on themselves to figure everything out. It's not like they, they don't, they're not successful just because of their own like mindset or determination. Like we are all interdependent and interconnected. So like my success is so much based on the fact that I had just a like, com- like huge groundswell of support of people who, who believed in me without even knowing what my business was yet believing in me that I think that's really what gave me the confidence and then having like, you know, a coach, like someone who wasn't a family member, who wasn't a friend who just had my dreams and my hopes as like the core of their agenda and holding me accountable to that. Um, so I'd say like, that's definitely what was that main catalyst. And then I'll say the, the very, so I'd say the first three hires I had for my business, first was a coach, second was branding. And then uh, third was a lawyer. So that's like, yeah. <laughs> good order. Yeah. Coach to make sure you get started, branding to make sure it looks good, and then Laura to make sure no one messes you up. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Love it. So what does the business do now? That is, um, so right now it's really focused on coaching and training organizations, communities, and individuals to identify courage-based solutions for more resilient and fulfilling future. Um, so Sounds like so many tagline. buzzwords. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a cool tagline. It's a lot of buzzwords. What does it mean and who buys that? And what do they buy it for? Yeah, that is, I'm going to tell you, like, I am absolutely figuring it out. You know, okay. that's something. Um, and, you know, and this is me still clumsy. I mean, it's funny if I lay all of the podcasts that I've done, I like will have given you a different answer. Like, you know, what my business was in December versus January versus March to today, it is rapidly iterating, um, just constantly trying to figure out, um, you know, I think it's, we, uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> just like some like advice, like anyone out here who's starting their business or thinking about it, like, um, man, like the, just these things I have to get off my chest first is like, it's going to take, two to three times longer than you think it is. And it's going to cost like two or three times more. Like that's number one, like, <laughs> like business advice I have for people. And then, um, uh, and then, you know, second is that it's like, we have this dream. We have this hope, like we're so in love with like this idea we have, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's like what people are going to buy or that it makes sense to anyone else. Um, and Correct. so it's yeah. every day, like all day long, <laughs> yeah. Because, and, and when you go out into the session, you come from such a place of passion of wanting to help, and then you enter the marketplace, and people are like, Yeah, we don't care, <laughs> like, we're busy, we're making money, we got stuff to do. Um, and then you realize, Oh, I have to actually sell you something that you want <laughs> that solves a problem you already recognize you have, unless I want to be so genius as to create a problem that you don't realize you have, um, which is. <laughs> which is super next level. That is what marketers myself do. But, um, but in general, we don't, and it's not that you create a problem, right? So like best, one of the best classic examples is toothpaste, right? Toothpaste solved a problem people didn't really realize they had. They were losing their teeth because they weren't 
brushing them and keeping them clean and keeping them healthy. Um, but it was not a thing. <laughs> At 100 years ago, no one brushed their teeth ever. There was like commercialized toothpaste. All of that started not that long ago. And the genius marketer who anchored people on it and, and the put baking soda and the toothpaste, so you'd feel a tingle and say, hey, if you don't feel that tingle, if you feel that film, your mouth is dirty. Like that was a problem no one realized they had. No one thought their mouth was dirty. No yeah. one thought that was a problem. <laughs> no Absolutely. one realized they needed a tingle to feel better. And totally it in that vein. Tingle. That tingle is bonus. That's just a marketing tactic. Yeah. And I think on like somewhere along that spectrum too. So there's problems that people aren't aware of. And then there's problems that people are actively avoiding because it's overwhelming. And, and I think so often too, it's like people, when there's something really, you know, looming there, uh, it's, you know, just as like a survival mechanism, like we are reactive rather than proactive, so many of us. So I think that is, and that's exactly like what, um, you know, like first failure was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a climate change coach. Like I'm going to coach people who are freaking out about climate change. The fact of it is though, is like people that are freaking out, like are like already aware, you know, and they're kind of like already like alone enough that like, they don't really, really need it and they don't <laughs> really care to pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then people, and then there's a large public that like, I don't think about that. Like, I, I mean, the reality of like here in the U.S. right now, the Federal Reserve came out with a report at the end of May that like 40% of Americans don't have $400 to their name to cover an emergency. And then we got 80% of like the U.S. who's living paycheck to paycheck, no disposable income. So if, I mean, that means that like, and that, that was one of my things like, oh man, like the, the other thing too is being hyper idealistic. The people that I really wanted to serve was people on the front lines of, um, you know, doing work like in, you know, mental health care or justice work or things like that. Um, as well as like returned Peace Corps volunteers or people who had been, um, are like chronic health warriors or their caregivers those are the populations that I feel the most connected to. I feel the largest affinity. But the problem is, is that they don't have discretionary income to like really afford coaching services. When you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're just trying to get food on the table and make rent, do you, can you really afford, like, do you have the time, the space, everything to like think about like the existential no, crisis that's of climate my, change. that's Maslow's hierarchy, right? If yeah. you're stuck in basic needs, you're not even looking at the love and 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 connection needs. For forget about the idealistic and self development needs at the top. Oh, totally. Um, totally not. So then, then what happens? Yeah. So, um, so what I started doing is, um, and again, this is of being a solopreneur, um, not really having the resources to. Um, I had about like a six month runway. So like, and full transparency, like it is run out and I am like scrambling right now. You know, it's, I mean, I, to the point where right now, um, I converted the 401k that I had in tech for um, the past four years to like a self-directed 401k. And like, please like talk to a lawyer, talk to people like a financial planner. This is not financial advice at all. But what I'm doing is taking my 401k and then borrowing from my 401k, like just to keep me financially solvent for like a few more months to until I can get like, you know, my you gotta find the value client. proposition. Who yeah. wants to pay for this? That that's still the missing link here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's I'm I like I did not have figured out like, but I'm so much closer. And so, but to go back, what I did is I went to conferences and I used conferences as my focus groups, um, and I talked to people in very disparate, like very different industries um, and brought to them, uh, you know, kind of like my hypothesis, like, you know, and tried to find what the problem that they saw uh, or like, you know, presented like, hey, this is what I'm thinking of. Do you know anyone else who's doing it? Like, is this something that you would pay for? Is this like a service of value? Um, and so, uh, you know, I went to, um, the Climate Reality Project, the Climate Reality Leadership Corps, um, training with Al Gore uh, in March. And there, so it's people who are hyper engaged in the climate movement, but from different industries, from you know business to arts to faith, um, you know, um, uh, activism, all those type of things. Uh, and I said, like, you know, I, 
I see, I see a need for communities to uh, develop like resilience because like bottom line, like whatever your thoughts are on like the future, like we can agree that the status quo like is not going to be the same in like 12 years. No, you know how I look at it? I always think about it like New York in the early 1900s where like horse poo was like a really serious issue and and all the best minds were sitting down and going like, guys, like the city keeps growing and we're going to be overrun by manure and like this can't continue and if this continues, like we won't have anywhere to live and the stench will be so unbearable that everyone will leave and this was like a very serious issue and then like poof, cars, all better. Um, so I look at it like that, like... There's definitely an issue, and there's definitely a solution coming. Don't know what it's gonna be. Sure, there's yeah. gonna be one, and it's gonna be the kind of radical thing where you're like, "Oh my gosh, we have a problem with horses. What are we gonna do? We're gonna shovel it. We're gonna move it out of the city." We're, and like, it's this come like left field thing that has absolutely nothing to do with the problem. You're the way you're thinking about it. Um, that's just gonna be the solution. So yeah. that's how I see it. Um, but. Okay, so I actually like this idea a lot, and I think a lot of people, when we talk about market research, people think of the big companies and these $10,000 studies, and I always say to people, no, it's, it's calling your friends, and if you don't have friends in it and you don't have acquaintance, you don't have existing customers, I love that idea. Go to a conference. Go to a meetup. You know, there's so many free gatherings, if not paid conferences, that you can go to to create, like you said, like a focus group, right, of just different people who are your potential clients and customers, and just talk to them with your mouth. These are the things I'm trying to do. And I'm thinking of selling. Is this something you would pay for? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, like one, one shift that I would put on that, and this kind of comes from my background as a documentary filmmaker and a researcher, is like we have two ears and like one mouth, like for a reason. So actually like going to these things of really just being really curious and like as much as like you're craving, like you know, you don't want to podcast at people in real life. You don't want to just go on this rant about talking about your services, like really empathize, try to like understand the, like their world, the lens, the problems that they're seeing, like listen more than talk. Like I think is like something. Oh, for sure. I always like to say I listen first and third because I listen second too. <laughs> yeah. So hold on. I have a wacko question for you. If your background's in documentary filmmaking, why aren't you doing that for this? Uh, because what I saw at the time is that we are um, like over, like overly saturated with content. Um, you know, there is so much content out there, and the at least documentary filming. When when I left, it's that distribution model. Like when I was still in it was you know like people sitting in a room and like passively like receiving like a narrative and there wasn't as much engagement um and i just well, feel what like if you built it into these interactive workshops so here's the fun things i'm a marketer right yeah um and all all, all my listeners know that by now <laughs> very very much so marketing the way i teach it there are 10 key components yeah there's the brand there's the target sorry i'm going into teacher mode for a second do it um, Okay. And then there's positioning, product, price, place, promotion, and process. This, this is how I teach. Yeah. And, and I can show you this after the show, guys, all of you. Five-day challenge. If you haven't taken it, I don't know what you're doing. Um, I have a five-day marketing success challenge that all of my listeners should have taken by now because when I put a paywall up on it, you're going to be sad that you missed it. Um, it's still sitting free. So everything is about the target. Once you know who you are, you know who you're trying to sell to, who you provide value for. The product you build is the product they want to pay for, yeah? So envision this, right? Most people are not, and again, could be you found them, but it's sounding like we're still looking for that person and the thing they're going to pay for. Um, so I'm going to give you unsolicited, <laughs> my great opinion. Um, many, many corporations and organizations do workshops, do seminars. So combining your background in the documentary filmmaking with coaching and presentation skills and creating an interactive session where you're coaching and guiding, not one-on-one, -on -one, because one-on-one -on -one is not, it's going to be a tough road to sustain you. And <laughs> you can't yep. see him, guys. He's like heavy nodding over here. Oh, yeah. That was, I, I want it. But yeah, that, that's like been the biggest shift in May. Continue because this is a, a brilliant thing you're sharing. And I will just like 
underline it like 300 times like yeah yeah continue, the 101 and again it works when you have something that individuals really want to pay for but this specific angle same things like climate change these are very broad picture ideas these are not the kind of things that you your average joe is going to be like yeah i'm really worried about climate change like i need to talk to somebody <laughs> like it's just not if that's what they're dealing with, they probably need psychotherapy and deeper help because it's just not your average human condition. Um, however, there are definitely many organizations that have either government funding or independent funding that want to promote awareness. And if you came in with a product offering where you have these interactive workshops with audiovisual and interactive presentations where you're really making a difference and raising awareness and raising resilience, funded on the backs of these other bodies that already exist to build this awareness and promote it, you've got a business on your hands. Yeah, so cool. it's like I'm like right at the like cusp of like stepping into that because that's what okay, um because that's totally where the value is no question sorry you didn't yeah. call me a year ago <laughs> yeah no it's i mean but i think that's the you know like everyone listening like when you're building your business and especially as a solopreneur yeah. it is so difficult there's so many people who are reaching out there's so many brilliant collaborators and then trying to prioritize of like what order do i go into you know like the strategy and especially as a first time and again yeah no business background like <clears throat> was in the film industry for a decade. And then I was like a Peace Corps volunteer. And then I taught like in, you know, like remote Kazakh villages in the Peace Corps. And then I uh, got back and then I got into you're tech. You're so like, millennial, sorry. <laughs> just like, you're so millennial. Like, you're like, if I would take like, if I would make like a millennial resume, I feel like it would look like yours. It's that, it's that, um, <laughs> God, uh, Robert Reich has that like that, that it's no longer like this career ladder. It's this like weird Circle. spiral, yeah. you know, like type yeah. of thing that just like swirling yeah. up. Um, millennials don't go up a ladder so much. They they definitely go in some kind of odd spiral. Like I do a bunch of this and a bunch of that. And I would say like, you know, combine it, synergize it. Cause what makes you unique in your industry yeah. is all the different skill sets and things you've done. Cause you're, everyone's competing in a global market now. It doesn't matter if you're retail or wholesale or service or it doesn't matter. Yeah. And you wanna, you wanna stand out, leverage all your strengths, all the different elements, put them together. Then you really have something no one else is doing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And anyone who's listening to this, like you're wise to be listening to this, uh, this really brilliant <laughs> woman here. Cause that's something that, yeah, which I was like listening earlier. Cause I, cause I did struggle and I floundered and, um, you know, that is something that it wasn't until the end of May that I, um, that there was that shift of like, I am not going to make it like this business is not going to make it. If my primary focus is like one-on-one -on -one coaching, like it doesn't have the scale and it's like so much work to be trying to get these one-on-one -on -one clients for just three to six month uh, contracts. But I just had in my mind, you know, like that was, that was my frame. That was my lens for the longest time of like, how do I coach individuals? And it's like, Oh no, this like this shift, I have to shift to working like in organizations and then use that work to subsidize the community work and uh and really you know like the more passion projects but more of like the you know the people who can't necessarily afford it but are really need those services so like we're talking about like yeah focus on organizations and so that is just like the shift um and you know a little bit with that conversation we're having before too um, at the beginning of the call um yeah I, i'd love to go into that a little bit because again like we usually go into like you know the business struggle and we've kind of been talking about that the whole time but i know you had like a very <laughs> specific one yeah totally that, uh, that you've been dealing with the last number of months and i and i think that many people deal with it and they don't talk about it so that most people don't talk about a lot of things right because everyone's got to like be out there like proving how awesome they are and how successful they are and, and the fact that you're being transparent with us i think is so valuable I, I hope so. Yeah. Just like anybody here. And again, like find me on LinkedIn. If you want to just like chat, like, Hey, I totally get it. You're not alone. Like this is scary. It is hard. Uh, you freak out a lot. Like, and you know, it's like really been the most fulfilling thing I've done like in my career. Um, at the same time, but, um, right, uh, right. As I was making that super really exciting, like getting that momentum, like, Oh yes. I've got to shift to doing the organizations and really focusing on um, stress management and psychological resilience. Like that is the thing that 
you know, it's like, okay, that is something every organization could need is having employees who can manage their stress and be more psychologically resilient for when a crisis happens, you know, be it a financial, be it health, be it environmental, like, Totally. And they do in-services. Like these companies do that. And again, if you came with something unique that was a blend of your audiovisual background and your coaching and all of that, that would totally be something appealing. And there's already an industry for that. So I think um, a, a mistake I see a lot of business owners make is that they, they're like, oh, no one's doing this. I should do it. Like sometimes there's a reason no one's doing it because like yeah. no one wants to buy it. And it's not always the reason, but like most of the time. So if, if you're looking to do something that no one else is doing, and that's for all of you listening, don't go all in before you test the waters. <laughs> Make sure that like there's oh. a reason that no one's doing this. Like like flavor combinations, right? So like if you know peanut butter and jelly, like that's reliable. You know marshmallows and chocolate, that's really like a good one. And then if one day if you look at it and you're like, you know, I wonder if I could combine like peas and plums, not in baby food, but like in my own food, there might be a reason no one's doing that. <laughs> yeah definitely yeah i think and it's um and i would say like the more like if you're working in a job right now and you want to leave try to do this like before i mean some of it you just can't because you're you're so caught up in your day job you but, like, on the side I, I did my business for two years on the side before i left my job and went into it full force yeah and then at, at that time i did three jobs at the same time and did this part-time until it came so full-time I had to drop everything else to do it. It depends how risk-averse you are. I'm insanely risk-averse. Uh, but you had an additional struggle, if you're willing to share with us, because I know you shared it with me over the last number of months, that that just exacerbated this whole situation and made it that much harder to to get this off the ground and get the clarity you needed to get this <laughs> off the ground. Totally, yeah. Um, and it's something that I, uh, yeah, so I uh, was diagnosed with like ADD in second grade, but my parents thought it was a bad at the time. So um, spent most of my life like unmedicated, just like really like my way of working was like, just like pushing and trying really hard, but nothing really came easy, especially like writing and reading. Um, talking's great audio, visual, all that stuff. That's why, you know, I was looking at that realm. That's how you ended up there probably. That makes yeah. sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause that made sense. Um, uh, but it got to a point at my last job, um, as a researcher, um, was having to write reports and I was severely backlogged because I could interview people. I could create these really great presentations. I could really, you know, evangelize the the learnings with everyone, but like sitting down and writing a lengthy report was just like clawing my eyes out, like difficult. Um, and it got to the point where managers like, look, you're a great employee, but if you can't do this really critical job function, like there's going to be some serious consequences. So I'm like, okay, it's finally time. I need to get on medication. So I started taking Adderall um, in November, you know, legally prescribed, um, and then especially when, um, I left and not having any structure, um, and so someone like ADHD, like you're struggling when there is structure, when there's no structure, whoo boy. Really, um, really bad. yeah. Yeah. And so, so I started taking it, um, daily and then, but I started to notice, um, you know, uh, my wife's like, I'm having a really hard time, like emotionally connecting with you. Like you're so in your head. And I mean, I was going, that was the other thing is like, you've got to take care of yourself. Like it's, you know, not this like really romantic version of like self-care and it's not just like, you know, massages or spa. Like I'm talking about getting enough sleep, like eating, drinking enough water, resting, like taking time like, with people who like nourish you because the first three months, I mean, I, you know, I'm just like, on like legal speed for all intents and purposes. <laughs> I was getting up at 5 a.m. every day, like going to the Zen Center and meditating from 5.40 to 7, like every morning, and then going nonstop until like 10, 11, 12 at night, every single day. And that that really toxic, like hustle and grind, like thing that is so prevalent entrepreneurial, that's not sustainable. Like that will not last. There's consequences. I like, so I crashed really hard with that. Um, but then also, um, you know, I was noticing like, oh my gosh, like I, 
don't feel good unless I'm taking Adderall. Like I, I recognize the dependency and like without going into too many details, um, I went off and I went off way too quick um, just because of some challenges with healthcare um, and, and not having um, a, yeah, not having the mental health team that I needed at the time to really help me through that transition of going off. Uh, and so I, um, yeah, so I crashed. I had an Adderall crash and I've been navigating the most severe depression of my adult life. And it's, um, yeah, to the point of like suicidal level of depressions to which it's like, there's that chemical imbalance. And then at the same time, um, you know, I, you know, financially, I like maxed out two of my credit cards. Um, I, one of my teach, uh, someone that I've really looked up to for a long time, a teacher, um, found out that they had been, um, uh, inappropriate with some students and had also stolen a lot of their content. Um, and so just someone that I trusted and had so much belief in just feeling such a sense of anger, denial, and betrayal. Um, and then my, um, my dad, um, my dad's health is failing. Um, he has a broken neck and a broken back. He's chronic oh, wow. nerve pain. Um, and, um, you know, like, I'm so grateful, like he's still here. And I just have to really, uh, you know, if we're honest with myself, like um, as, as long as I want him around, he's not, um, I don't know how much time I have left with him. You know, it's just, I mean, none of us, we never know, but he was all of those swimming things together and still just not finding that traction on my business. Um, and, you know, <laughs> as I was joking about earlier, it's not like, depression called up and said like hey Alex do you like how does like end of May beginning of June work crazy like for you for this like <laughs> severe depressive episode like um so it's never like you know like depression asks like you know or like any mental health crisis asks like when is it a good time um and so it hit right as I felt this momentum shifting um with my business and um and I'll tell and then it's been compounding too because I've been building this business. I I do have all of these incredible collaborators, all of these opportunities, all of these people that I'm at these conferences who want to follow up. And frankly, for the last two months, uh, the like main goal has been like, hey, like let me make sure I'm getting out of bed, uh, that I have like a, a hygiene routine, that I'm like keeping myself clean, that I'm feeding myself, and that like, you know, that like my dog is being taken care of. That has been like pretty much the most that I've been able to accomplish um, for like the past two months. Um, and boy, man, does it like the ego and the pride, especially when you're starting your business and you have all these relationships of like the, the inner critic that goes through your head, you know, that's like a drunken monkey just flinging crap at you like <laughs> on a daily basis of like, so wow, you're worthless. You're irresponsible. You're bad at your business. You know, like you really don't deserve to live. Um, yeah, it has been intense and I'm just, and like, I'm really excited to be talking today because this is like the, this has been the first time since May where I haven't had self-destructive thoughts for like four days in a row. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like a celebration, like talking to you today. That is a celebration. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's so huge. And guys, like, you know, I know we kind of hit you with this at the end of the episode. So like, you're listening to Alex full time. You're like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, he's so relatable. He's like a regular guy, millennial, super millennial, typical, like, you know, all idealistic, trying to turn into money, left his job at Google. Like, you know, like check, check, check all the boxes. And like, he's trying, that's cute. Okay. And then it's like, boom, whoa. He's doing this through like a complete life crash and just trying to make sure he doesn't kill himself every day. Wow. Yeah. It's like a really big deal. Totally. Yeah. And I just, and I think it's, um, I would say like one of the things that I did too, but I, I did try like when you, if you're building a business and you're like struggling with depression, like as much as you like, as it's so hard, like one of the things I did is like, I joined a BNI group. Um, and I just, okay. yeah. Those things usually meet so early in the morning. They do. Yeah. And that was, is, it's good for me. Like, I think if you can find a small group to like see on a weekly basis, however that looks for you, 
Um, BNI, guys, is Business Networking International. It's a, an international movement of just these little networking groups. It is pay to play. Um, you can always go to one once or twice to check it out. Um, but they do. They meet weekly. It's very intense. That's very cool. It's almost like a paid business support network. Totally. And, and it's something it was um, something where I was still having to talk about my business like on a weekly basis, try to pitch it, try to talk to people in other industries. Um, even though I didn't believe in myself, even though I didn't, it's like, why am I building a business if I'm not going to be around a month from now? You know, like those are the type of wow. thoughts that I'm grappling with. Like, why does this even matter? Um, but to, to be around people who, um, you know, and you're not necessarily talking about your mental health challenge, like kind of just see you as like, Hey, this is someone who's like just struggling to build a business like that. That was enormously helpful. I mean, having a dog, like like my dog, like kept me around, like for sure. Um, and I'd say like, yeah, just like what, when you're going through this rough patch, like just do whatever you can to like get out of the house and like just act, like just pretend to be normal, even though like you feel super miserable, just go and pretend to be normal, like with other people. I, I um, believe that helped. What, can I be like super, super personal? Like where's your wife? <laughs> uh yeah she so uh so my wife and i mean that's the thing is like i i would definitely not be here like with uh without her you know oh, okay she, like she's she's still here oh yeah yeah okay, okay. yep yeah no and i mean that's the thing is uh yeah she works at inpatient psych so she's like dealing with people oh, so every like, day who are like <laughs> going through this same, so. same thing at work same thing at home <laughs> yeah totally so yeah um yeah lauren i yeah she's she saved my life like she really wow. has like she's really uh kept me in i mean i think that's like uh, I gotta say, like, um, you know, like it's uh, if if you have the blessing and like the good fortune, like if you have like someone who just uh, if you can find someone who like believes in you even when you don't like believe in yourself, like that can that can really get you through like uh, like those darker times. Wow. Yeah, that was very powerful. Well, on that note, <laughs> where, where can people find you, find out more about you, find out more about Roots and Resolve and these awesome new presentations that you're going to be giving to companies? Yeah, definitely. So it's rootsandresolve.org. Okay. Um, so that that's a homepage. But honestly, um, you know, some of the copy is not going to be updated to like the things that we're talking about. Like, you know, the thing needs updated. Um, and then uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, um, uh, Alex and White on LinkedIn. And, and also too, I mean, I think it's something, if, you, if anything you heard in this episode, if you're going through anything remotely like this, like, please, I encourage you to not only if you're interested in Roots and Resolve, but like, if you just want someone to check in with who's like been there and is not going to try to problem solve or like say everything's going to be okay, if you just need to say like someone who like, is gonna see you and witness you and to say, like, hey, I understand, like, I know things are rough right now, but like you, you have inherent worth and dignity. The world needs you, like you are important. Like we need you in this world like, right now. Please reach out to me, like you are not alone. I think that's like been the main thing that I've been like trying to tell people at this time is like, you're not alone. So um, yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, yeah, you can put my email out um, and yeah, find my roots and resolve. And yeah, if you want to talk about psychological resilience or disaster mental health and first aid, like if your organization is dealing with stress and, and you want more resilient uh, people around you, like definitely reach out and you know, we can figure out things together. Yeah. And, and guys, I think from listening to Alex, he, he's definitely got that resilience. Like that, that crash that you had, you know, a few months ago, that's just every element of life right like physical emotional psychological yeah. financial like professional like every every it's wow i'm really impressed not that you know <laughs> my accolades, thank but you it's really impressive you know so many people think like what's impressive is the accomplishments and everybody struggles that's why we talk about that on this show you know and everyone in their place and everyone overcoming their thing you know and for Absolutely. one person it's it might look super shiny and they're earning a ton of money and they're doing all these big things. And for another person, it's just getting out of bed in the morning. It's just trying again, putting one foot in front of the other, making sure they brush their teeth and eat some food. <laughs> and don't, totally. you know, like I told you, I, I at one point was mentoring someone who was also suffering from severe depression. And I was, um, I was expecting at the time and I had small children. I still remember like following them up to the roof with little children in tow with like six month pregnant stomach and trying to make sure they didn't jump. <laughs> 
<laughs> just like, you know, everyone, they're still, they're still here, guys. They're still there. Um, and it was just everyone in their place, everything in its time. And it sounds like your time is coming, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to come back on like maybe a year from now. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I Absolutely. believe you will. So guys, you can check out Alex at rootsandresolve.org and find him on LinkedIn. We'll put those links at sdran.com slash 73, all the details for this episode. Um, so Alex, at the very end, I'd like to surprise my guests and ask for a quote. You already gave us one, which is amazing. The courage is the resolve to do well without the assurance of a happy ending, which I love. So you can lean on that one because it was fantastic. Or if you want to share another one with us to send everyone on their way today, you totally can. Oh yeah. No, that's, um, if that's your favorite, you can that's own my it. favorite. Yeah. Yeah. That, Courage is the resolve to do well without the assurance of have ending. Like, Love it. Yeah. I think it's so symbolic of you. It's of every element of your story. Everything that you're doing and that you stand for. I think it's beautiful. I love thank it. you. Thank you so much. And thank you for creating the space. Like this, these are the conversations that when you're building a business, like when people are building business, they need the conversations that you're having because it's so easy to like, you know, people can market all of these great things of like, oh, be successful in three steps. But like, we need to hear the struggle to feel good about our, like to, to recognize like we're not alone. So thank you so much for this project and everything you're doing to, to support your community. We're really Aww. lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. I'm blushing. All right, guys. So you all know somebody who needs to hear this. If you know somebody who's been struggling to build a business or dealing with any kind of a mental health challenge in their business or in their life, share this with them. Share this. I mean, this is so inspirational, Alex. Like it really is. Guys, you know someone who needs to hear this. So go and share it. Share the link through iTunes or through Spotify or wherever you're listening, or just send them to sdran.com slash 73 so that they can gain the benefit you did. You know, I've been telling you this every single week. You know someone who needs it. Share the love, share the wealth, share the knowledge, share the inspiration, and we will catch you next week. Alex, thank you. Thank you so much, Justin. Yeah, and have a wonderful week, everyone. It's a, it's a beautiful world. We're really lucky to be alive in this, so keep going. We, we'll get through it together for sure. Yes, we will. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdran.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?